Radio Drama Revival, the show dedicated to stories told through the medium of sound, showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. Here are your news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories. And I'm your host, Fred. And that wonderful music was from Roger Gregg of Crazy Dog Audio Theater, uh, who, as it happens to be, is the featured artist today. We've got a piece just in time for springtime called Marcius the Hippest Satyr. Now, we love Roger Gregg, featured him a lot. I've had this one up my sleeve for a while. It's from his audio gothic series. It's based, uh, let's say, uh, rather loosely on the original Greek myth. It's uh, the same subject matter, the same storyline, maybe told a little a little, a little more spin on it, a little more Crazy Dog Edge than the uh, original one was. It kicks off um, a whole, um, actually a whole series of bonus episodes in the show. From that here on out, you're going to hear an extra Roger Gregg piece on the show, um, in addition to the regular podcast, until I've put out everything Roger Gregg has done to date. Um, hope you appreciate that. It's a huge gift by Roger Gregg. He just wants this work to live on. I'm going to start that effort with The Stuff of Myth, his excellent comical adaptation of The Myth of Orpheus. Uh, trickle out an episode a week of that starting next week, a bonus episode in addition to this podcast. But um, for now, enjoy the tale today of the poor, over-egoed, over-sect satyr, Marcius. Uh, hope you enjoy. Crazy Dog Audio Theater presents Marcius, the Hippest Satyr, by Roger Gregg. This is a tale from the time of the gods. The ancient Greek ones, no less true than any others you care to mention. Now Zeus was the king of these ancient Greek gods. A big white beard and a big white robe on a big gold throne up, up in the sky with his all-seeing eye. The father of all, the big daddy of everything laying down the law. The law was not all Zeus lay down. He also lay down with almost every spirit feminine. And so were born his countless offspring, mortal and divine. That's what you can do when you is God and your thunderbolt is erect all the time. Zeus with his wondrous thunderbolt. Firm and erect. From out of Zeus's frowning frontal lobes, in divine scholarly robes, was born his daughter, Athena. The goddess of wisdom. Athena was the smartest of all the gods. Excuse me, if I am so smart, why am I in charge of everyone? Well, it just goes to show you, you can be the wisest, but that doesn't make you the boss. Indeed. Maybe Athena took the better part of Zeus's brain with her when she busted out of his Sky King skull. For to create and innovate and improve the groove, gray-eyed Athena knew it all. Because... With every great idea she conceived... There it was. She had the idea to tame the horse. And there it was. She had the idea of dancing to music. And there it was. She had the idea of the dynamic, romantic, climatic, chromatic, harmonic horn. And there it was. Waiting for blowing breath to bring it. Life.
it sang with the sound hidden for eons in the inscrutable mystic mouth of the void, the sonic secrets of serene star song. It whispered, swooned, soothed, brushing away the furrows with each deep, slow breath. Under its melodic influence, everything made perfect sense. But wisdom's serenity was shattered when Athena heard the callous, malice, mocking laughter. <laughs> My small-minded divine rivals were having great fun. Saying the horn was making my face as round as my bum. Yes, Aphrodite and Hera were cackling like hyenas, pouring scorn on the horn of celestial Athena. They were shallow, small-minded, bitchy, and vain. They took great delight in making it plain that Athena's bulging face was a disgraceful sight. And... One peek at my cheeks, and I knew they were right. Though she knew the subterfuge only amused spiteful Queen Hera. And Aphrodite, well, she was just flighty, behind rouge and mascara. Still, Athena refused to endure their abuse. The wise thing to do, I thought, was to set this horn loose. And so... She took the beautiful, harmonious horn of wisdom, filled with the music of the stars, and first cursed it with a self-fulfilling prophetic curse worthy of ancient Greek tragedy. Let every breath blown through my heavenly horn also quite magically inflate the ego of the player in a self-aggranding, expanding, pell-mell swell of gloating, bloating. Me, me, me. It's all about meanness. Until the distance from there, ear to ear, is an egocentric light year. A big head expanse, fatally doomed to burst like a delusional balloon. Then Athena threw her cursed horn down. Down from the shrouded heights of immortal Olympus. Down into a crystalline, pristine still pool. Near where mere mortals were wont to tread. Where it came to rest on the subaquan bed. Glistening. Beckoning. As the darts of the sun struck its fluid wrap. I would never play that cursed horn again. And woe betide anyone who did. Now, the lowly brute destined to make that horn toot was off on a revelrous run with one of Zeus's divine sons. The god so hipped and tripped, so flamboyantly flipped, so supernaturally equipped to whip every excess to splurging surfeit of spinning infinity, that new words had to be heard just to describe his divinity. Words like frenzy, frenzy. revelry, revelry. Ecstasy. ecstasy. This god was Dionysus, able to transport mere mortals through transcendental portals to psychedelic dimensions of clearly weirdly wondrous pretensions. He knew what no one else knew but what everyone wanted to know. 
the precious secret formulations of consciousness-altering libations. In other words, he knew how to distill alcohol. And that was important. And everywhere that Dionysus went, he gathered the crazed, dazed, phased, hazed, and haggard. In his hypnotic trance of psychotic dance, they staggered. Organic manic nymphs, even matter fatter satyrs, long gone, totally bombed fawns, and headbanging centaurs, and wild, whirling maynate women with snakes writhing round their arms, whirling the ivy wreaths, the thrices of ecstatic Dionysus! <laughs> Let's all follow Dionysus! Come on, man! Take off your clothes, dude! <laughs> Rapturous ecstasy on the brink of insanity! Carnival regalia of carnal genitalia! Lustful feasts, primal beasts! No pain, no shame, no wrong, no right! Gorging, greedy, seedy appetites! Untenable decibels to wake the dead! Drumming and dancing and drinking reason right out of their heads! Oh, yeah. Like we are all one, and we can all be so happy, man, if we just let go and love everybody! Now, among the ratty-tatty rabble was a ravaged, savage satyr named Marcius. Hello, baby. You know what I like. <laughs> Get down. <gasps> oh, yeah. Marcius was a satyr like any other. He danced and drank with Dionysus's crusty crew. His instincts were but few, and all of them basic. Very basic. <laughs> when he wasn't drinking, dancing, or drumming, or on the foul prowl slumming for some manner of sex partner, he was sleeping. Hey, what else is there to a satyr's life? But then, one day, when bending over a pool to wash the crud, mud, and slop from his burly bebop beard, something quite startling appeared to be sparkling. Glimmering, shimmering, down in the bottom of the pool. He felt a queasy quiver, sending shivers to his core, and his skin began to tingle through every single pore. It was all shiny and bright. It seemed somehow to beckon to him. So, he reached down and picked it up. It seemed to want to linger in his cloven fingertips and he felt the sudden surge of some deep magnetic urge and drew it to his lips. Marcius took a breath and blew. With that note, the non-stop drums stopped, and all his objective perspective began to give way. One by one, all of Earth's children came under the sound sway. Lilies, poppies, primrose and mint, daisies, dandelions and hyacinth nymphs, butterflies, sprites on gossamer wings, the birds, the beasts, the creepy crawler things, those with coats and jackets, feathers and shells, each and every one came under its spell. 
Even most magically, the cosmic zombie groupies stopped and gravitated to the new confounding sound. Their bloodshot eyes widened, and they all sat down and listened, spellbound by Marcius, the little satyr, laying it down. All of nature's children were captivated with croaks and caws and hees and haws from their feral jaws. Using paws and claws, they gave applause. (laughs) And with each ovation, Marcius absorbed their adoration. They cried, Encore! Encore! Please play some more! And so the enchanted troubadour took all the praise for the magical music the horn had displayed. Until, without any shame, he openly proclaimed, By the gods, I swear, I am the greatest, and Marcius is my name. I don't know how I'll become a great virtuoso, but now that I am one, I certainly know so. Now, sitting among the birds, about four rows back, near the center aisle, was the raven. Hi there. Raven was the confidant of the one god who outshone all the others, even Zeus himself. The god who was as close to perfect as any god can get, without slipping into monotheism, I mean. (laughs) Everyone loved, dashing, handsome, suave, debonair, Symmetrical, balanced Apollo. Perfect smile, perfect charm, perfect buttocks. Desired by all, envied by all, balanced, symmetrical, perfect buttocks. Now Raven brought the news to Apollo of Marcius's most perfect music, saying, Man, everybody's gathered around to hear this Marcius play a magic horn. He's boasting that he's the best they is, that he is the perfect music maker. And Apollo, who after all was the god of music, became concerned. For categorical logic imposed this condition. There There can can only be one ideal and perfect musician. And Apollo began to get perfectly annoyed. Getting Apollo annoyed was a very, 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 very bad thing. What was the matter with this bestial satyr? So naturally, Apollo, who was the god of music, the best musician in the universe, decided to fly down to the earth and do something about it. And Apollo landed and listened to Marcius. Not bad, said the perfectly handsome god of the sun. Now, let me try. 
And he took out his lyre and tore over that fretboard like it was on fire. Confident that the horn's magic would continue to work, the satyr sat by with a nonchalant smirk. Then, winking at several nymphs, who seemed very eager to meet him backstage after the concert, Marcius, puffed with conceit, said, Apollo, why don't you just sit down and listen and learn? Then I might even let you have a time. At first, Apollo was merely amused by the satyr, so this haughty manner was met with light laughter, for perceptive Apollo had already discerned that none of Marcius's talent was in fact earned. How dare you treat me with such dismissive scorn! cried Marcius under the ego-expanding spell of the horn. I am the greatest, the greatest, do you hear? Just listen. Dig that, man. That's pure Marcius. I played that, and it's further faster out than any lick you can lay. Mm. You should give credit where credit is due. The heavenly song comes from the horn, not from you. You are under a spell, you poor, bewitched satyr. So why don't you just renounce that horn now and avoid your disaster? You think you're so cool just because you're a god. Well, I can prove how great I am against any odds. Accept my challenge and the winner, which will be me, the supreme music maker will forever be. Unless, of course, you're so afraid that you'll find yourself completely outplayed. Since your divine reputation is a con and a farce, why, I can play sweeter notes with the wind from my arse. <laughs> As you wish, said offended Apollo. Providing one condition is followed, that the winner can do whatever he chooses to the musician who finally loses. Now, Marcius agreed, not heeding what was said, for the spell had by now gone completely to his head. I will sooner jump right out of my skin before the day arrives when you will win. Hmm, very well. As you wish. Now, let our contest begin. And so, with Calliope and the other muses of the arts sitting nearby as judges, the god and the satyr began to wage musical war. Conflicting cacophonic atonal randomness. Rampant, riotous, rondo, riffs, flurries of augmented, flatted fifths. Multiple freeform key harmonics, disjointed time signature despotics. It was terrible! 
It was awful! All those boys was making noise! And with each crashing, smashing, bashing beat, each one refused to admit defeat! Oh, ye gods! Calliope cried. Stop! Stop! In your jewel, you have rewritten every musical law, and so we judges declare this round a draw. <laughs> Think of another test to see who really is the best. Then Apollo said, Right. Well, why don't we, I don't know, sing and play a song at the same time? And Marcius agreed. So Apollo took out his favorite lyre and began to sing. If I look like some kind of Greek god Well, baby, that's cause I am one God of music and poetry and the rising sun With my eyes closed, I can see the future and all kinds of neat stuff. He's a god, he's a god, he's a god. People just can't seem to worship me enough. No matter what I do, even if I cough or sneeze, everyone believes it must surely be some kind of sign or divine revelation or emanation that's really profound. Thank <laughs> you. 
After singing this song while accompanying himself on the lyre, Apollo respectfully retired, saying, Now, you sing and play something, Marcius. Well, Marcius looked around. The nymphs were all winking invitations. The fawns were holding their breath. The satyrs were sitting on the edge of their seats. All the wild children were willing him on. His simple equine mind was clouded by his swollen ego, his eyes blinded by this adoring crowd. Marcius blew a kiss to the nymphs, juggled his fuzzy brows, let loose a cocky pony laugh, and finally, put the shimmering, glimmering horn to his lips, thinking, I will blow their minds. But then Marcius realized, You cannot play a horn and sing at the same time. And in that moment, his overinflated ego burst, and humbled Marcius came down to earth. It was so embarrassing. Seriously, it really was. Indeed it was. And so Calliope and the other muses proclaimed... Apollo is the victor, and now it is his hard-won right to do just what he likes to the defeated satyr. Marcius, you boasted that if this day should ever arrive, you would leap for me right out of your hide. And in one wrench, Apollo tore the skin right off of Marcius's little horsey body. The stunned children of the wilds cried, No! But it was too late. Marcius had met his fate. He dropped the horn and fell dead. His blood seeping into the ground, turning the clay red. And then... Marcius's grandmother, the earth, began to cry, her tears pouring forth from her ageless eyes to form a river with banks of red clay where Marcius's humbled spirit dwells to this day. Now the tale is told by those living near. If you hide by that river, the gods will appear. They go dancing past beneath the full moon led by Marcius, the satyr, still playing that tune. You have been listening to Marcius, the Hippest Satyr by Roger Gregg, featuring Morgan Jones, David Murray, Emer Forrestal O'Grady, Gertie O'Leara, Peter O'Kennedy, and Roger Gregg. Dialogue recording by Mark McGrath. Marcius, the Hippest Satyr was written, directed, and produced by Roger Gregg. Find out more at crazydogaudiotheatre.com. 
And that was Roger Gregg's Marcius, the hippest satyr, an entry off of his excellent audio gothic collection. Audio gothic is awesome. Every piece on there is great. Two CD set. I think I've played just about all of them on the show. And uh, congratulations to Eric Benson. He is the winner of our Name That Theme contest. Wins a copy of Crazy Dog Live. If you don't win, if you didn't win, don't sweat. Uh, we will be having plenty more uh, Crazy Dog Audio Theater on the show. And uh, hey, maybe another uh, CD contest in the future. Um, incidentally, uh, the theme is from a poem and if. Um, excellent. Um, piece by from the Jerry Murphy collection, and most of those are up on YouTube. Though there also is a audio version of the Jerry Murphy Poetry Show. Um, J- Roger's also going to be doing it again in Ireland uh, coming up the summertime. So there's um, other opportunities. Might even be worth a trip over to the Emerald Isle to see um, that show. It is that good. Um, if you're looking to dig up uh, more work by Roger Gregg, um, you can go to radiodramarevival.com. In the left column, you'll see a link to Crazy Dog Audio Theater. There's now a whole page of all the stuff um, that's been Roger Gregg related on the blog, and it's a good amount of it, so uh, go check it out. Um, though I don't want to diss other um, great, excellent artists and producers that have been on Radio Drama Revival, um, there is now a feature in the right column. Uh, you can look through... You can look at the archives through artist, through region, through genre. So you can go through and uh, pick out what interests you and find work um, go dating back since the beginning of the show. I haven't gotten every single episode tagged properly there. It's an ongoing effort. will be completed uh, sometime here in the new, near future, but gives you some more options to uh, use the site to um, find stuff that you like. Um, the goal here is to make Radio Drama Revival more interesting, more worth coming back to. Um, you can find more stuff on the blog than you'll hear just in this podcast, including news, articles, reviews, and of course the wonderful Malleus series by Chris Duker. And so why not uh, go to RadioDrumRevival.com and join the conversation, leave a comment. You can also find the show on iTunes. Search for Radio Drama Revival. Um, you can also find me on Twitter. Never mentioned this before, but if you want, if you're one of those tweeted, tweeting people, trust me, I'm quite a reluctant adopter, but you can find me at, at Final Rune, Final R-U-N-E, as in my uh, own audio drama production company, Final Rune. Now that wraps it up for this week. Till next time, keep your mind and your ears open. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great week.